welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message. So what do you see in this uh, new understanding of the Kingdom Age? Do you see uh, an increase of angelic activity with the, with the believer in their sphere of influence? What, what, what's God showing you for these next, say, 10 years? How's it, how's it going to look in this new kingdom understanding well when you mentioned about that word that i released friday night about the man that was healed the blind man that was healed well the lord released just to clarify for those not here the lord released the prophetic anointing on that man before he actually got healed physically so what we do not see is more real than what we see so the lord released that where he said what do you see like jeremiah what do you see jeremiah see a boiling pot we said this man <clears throat> what do you see? I see men walking around like trees. He was seeing the future church. He was seeing a corporate prophetic body rising up in the form of trees of righteousness. Okay? And when Jesus saw Nathaniel next to the fig tree, there was, he saw it in a vision. He didn't actually see it. But one day when he was walking past, he actually saw it in a vision, Jesus, because he's a prophet of all prophets. And he saw Nathaniel and he said, <clears throat> this is this is Nathaniel. There's nothing false in this man. And he said, "How do you know me? Because I saw you by the fig tree." There's a metaphor where he was being God is transitioning him into being a tree of righteousness. And he said, "You'll see greater things. You'll see angels ascending and descending." So God is raising up a new breed. The kingdoms, the kingdom of God is always the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the kingdom. But God is releasing a whole new breed where we're going to come into such great revelation where we're going to be raised up as trees of righteousness. But we're actually going to be governing the kingdom. Immature believers can be looking for signs and wonders, shiny objects, and, and that's fine. And God will move with an unbeliever and even with an with, with a immature believer. He will move out of his sovereignty around us. You know, when Catherine Coleman ministered in a meeting uh, back in 1975, a skeptic scientist came in who was completely deaf in one ear. His ear just popped open and he was an atheist. But it was the grace of God that it was released upon this man. And she, you know what Catherine Coleman's like, some of the you know, she said, do you believe now? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I believe. And that's God's grace. But what God is actually rising up raising up in these in these last days to bring a billion soul harvest because bob jones prophesied a billion soul harvest and he released that to jeff jansen he released that to where i swear our church is actually setting up global fire australia where we're actually having a vessel where we're equipping people to come into a realm where we actually not only influence the kingdom the kingdoms of this world the, the governments of this world but we're also out of that influence there's a billion soul harvest people are going to get saved but God's raising up people to be able to be mature, to be gateways to actually govern the kingdom and have signs and wonders go through you rather than looking for it around you. So you're ambassadors and you're actually governing the kingdom as mature believers, which Jesus is the prototype. Everywhere, everywhere he went, the kingdom of God was released through him. And this is what God's raising up as a whole new breed in these last days through revelatory understanding through the revelation that Adrian teaches, through the revelation that many people are releasing in these last days, 
We've been raised up corporately. It's a corporate thing. It's not an individual thing. I, I see that a new understanding in the body of Christ of our role interacting with angels. I believe that um, we will start to see more angelic activity as we start to understand that angels await for us to speak God's word. And as soon as we speak God's word, then angels go into action. So I see Romans, oh, sorry, uh, Matthew 8, where the centurion says, look, I'm a man under authority. I say to one, come, and he comes, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and I say to my slave, do this, and he does that. I see that his recognition of Jesus in that position was a recognition that Jesus was commanding angels and they were, they were his servants. And that's a recognition that should come to the body of Christ as we realize that we are called to be kings. Now, the word for king in Hebrew is melech. Uh, melech it comes from two Hebrew words. It's mala and leka. It basically means come, go. So the centurion basically was using that same sort of terminology. I say to one, come and go. If I were to paraphrase that, what that means is this. His words need to be followed. His words need to be followed. And you and I are not the king of kings, but we are kings in that realm. And angels await us to speak God's word so that we, they can be dispatched and do the business. Amen. Amen. Sounds good. You also talked about, um, I think it was Adam, you talked about... Um, at the Mount Transfiguration where Moses and Elijah met with Jesus and you made the comment that you saw that that that, that very time it was Moses and Elijah coming from their time and being transported into the future so they all sort of collected and collided in, in the one moment do you see in, in these coming days there's going to be a, a fresh understanding of, of, of the believer influencing past present and future and if so how does that get activated in our life okay well god wants us to operate out of that realm and um uh, i constantly go in i was talking about friday night how god's dis disciplining me to stay in that realm and some of you are thinking what's he talking about well it says in hebrews 4 that the our conscience has been cleared and it's been sprinkled with the blood of jesus and we can actually access the holy of holies and you can do that through worship. Jesus said to the woman, well, you don't have to go to a mountain. You don't have to go to a temple. We can worship the Father in spirit and truth. As you keep doing that, that's when you open up encounters. There's a door standing open in heaven. That's when you actually open up encounters where you enter in. And I've had these encounters where I've been in that place where time stands still. It's a completely different time zone. Death is attached to this time zone here. But faith... And the intimacy with God brings us out of that time zone and brings into another eternal time zone where Moses and Elijah and, and Peter, James and John met Jesus all in one moment. It's the I am that I am zone. Okay, so Moses was a jumper. When I say a jumper, not a cardigan. He was a jumper that jumped into another realm. He actually went up to the mountain in Exodus 34 and he jumped into another realm. Elijah, the same thing. In, in 2 Kings 19, he jumped into another realm. And then he, Jesus put, took Peter, James, and John, and they went into a realm where they actually went into like a trance because some of in another in another gospel, they fell asleep, but they actually were in a trance. They weren't really asleep. They were in a trance. And they went into that eternal realm, and they saw Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus. People thought they were just ghosts from heaven that came down. It's actually, it's another realm. It's another time zone where it all stands still, Right? Now, 
Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. It's a zone where yesterday, today and forever all comes into one and we can change our past. Now, the imagination plays a big powerful role in that. I have some stuff in my past that I've, I remember a teacher grabbed me by the cheeks and I, did, I didn't have big cheeks back then, but I've got big cheeks now. Maybe, you know, I've got to break that thing off me. But uh, this teacher grabbed me by the cheeks and said, Adam, you're never gonna, you're gonna, never going to amount to anything. And uh, I failed school. I always said that grade one was the best four years of my life. But, <laughs> but I failed school, but I actually had to go back with my imagination. You can go back in that time and reverse that. And you actually have to do it with the promises of God. Isaiah 54 verse 17, I quoted it last night. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And you start building your imagination. Some of you have got more powerful imaginations than you. Your imagination is more powerful than you think, I should say. And you've got to build on that, go back in the past and reverse it and have that man speak life into you. Reverse that man with Jesus. So remove that man and have Jesus coming to you at that point and speaking words of life into you and start prophesying. You start imagining this. There's nothing wrong with using your imagination. It says in Ezekiel 13 that false prophets can operate out of their imagination, but it's not in the Word of God. They actually start going down the wrong word, wrong road without the Word of God, like using magic charms on their wrists and things like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about having your imagination wrapped around the promises of God. And you can go into the future and create your future. I have stuff I haven't accomplished yet, but I meditate what God's going to do in my life. Even sometimes in the meetings, Adrian sees me soak. I'm meditating what's going to happen. You know when you see great tennis players, they imagine every thought, every movement. Every stroke. Every stroke before they go out. They use their imagination on that which helps them be successful when they go out to actually act it out, what they've actually got inside of them. And this is what we do, and we can do it in a sanctified manner. I do that every time I go into a meeting. I do it, and I see stuff that's actually manifested today, blessings, brand new cars, things like that. God has actually released that through my imagination, wrapped around the promises of God. And in that, I worship the Lord and thank Him through that. It comes out of the worship. That's good. Now... You need to understand that eternity is not outside of time. Eternity is the fullness of time. And if you were questioning whether we can move back in time, well, forgiveness is moving back in time. You're going back into the past and you're dealing with an issue that took place in the past, aren't you? All right, so you're dealing with a past issue. Now, Jesus ministered the cross before the cross. Let me explain that. When did Jesus bear our sicknesses and infirmities? Isaiah 53 verse 5, is that right? So on the cross. But it says in Matthew chapter 8 verse 16 and 17, it says that after he healed Peter's uh, mother of a fever, then they, that night they brought to him everybody who was sick and infirm. And this was to fulfill the word that Isaiah said that he would take our sicknesses and infirmities. When did he do that? He did it yet in the future. And Jesus was ministering the power of the cross before the cross. Likewise, in John chapter 2, when Jesus' mother says to him, look, they don't have any wine. And he says, woman, what do your concerns have to do with me? 
you know, we in the, our English cultural understanding, we think that he was giving it a, a slap in the face, an insult. But in actual fact, he was saying something totally different on another level. You need to understand that the Bible says, for example, in Galatians 4.26, it says that Jerusalem is the mother of us all. So when he's speaking to his mother, he's not literally speaking to his mother, he's actually saying this. He's speaking to Jerusalem and he says, what does your concern have to do with me, Jerusalem? There's a time yet in the future. My time has not yet come, he says to his mother. He says, there's a time or a rendezvous time I have with you, but it's in the future. And then he turns water to wine. He starts doing the miracles because that's what's going to happen when he dies. But he's already ministering in his death. You know, we're called to be living sacrifices. And Andrew, in the question you said, how do we move into that? If we realize that as we can step into our Beersheba, which is Genesis 26 moment, or we step into being living sacrifices and we die before we die, you're moving in eternity. You got it? That's very, very powerful. And so what we've done, in a sense, in a measure, is lay down our lives so that we can move into that realm. And we're learning to step more and more into that realm so that we've already de- we're already dead. You know, we've taken a few hits, but we're not totally dead, you know what I'm saying? But we're stepping into that. We're acting out as living sacrifices so that Jesus can live through us. We- a form of being dead is being emptied as well. And when you hear someone say that guy's full of himself, well, God really is, can't be use that person as a vessel. But it's a point of being empty as well, being dead, being dead to Christ. And that's when you start to see the manifestations where the cup overflows and you actually come into a place where you do in, become intimate with the Lord. It's all got to do with the worship. If you're, if you're empty, ask the Lord to fill you and you actually come into that that encounter through the intimacy and worship. That's good. Enjoy that. I'm just going to change tactics a little bit as we're almost out of time, but on dreams. Uh, As I look around, I know there are many people here that dream on a regular basis, maybe every night or a couple of times a week. And I'm sure there's some that would say, I never dream. And so there's a couple of points to this question. For those that never dream, is that something they should be concerned about? Or is there another way that God primarily speaks to them? And if that's not the case, what can they do to, um, to increase the flow of dreams in their life? Or the awareness of dreams? Um, well, it says in uh, Acts 2, God pours out his spirit in all flesh. And sons and daughters will prophesy, oh man, will, um, dream dreams, young men will see visions. So I believe it's for everybody. I do believe it's for everybody. Um, I, you know, I do believe that those who are more creative, those who have a more creative mind, uh, can dream more. But those who are very intellectual, use the left brain more so, can have trouble entering into the into the realm of dreams. A lot of you have dreams. Oh, sorry, all of you have dreams, but some of you can't remember them. So you do dream, but you can't remember. And uh, I actually, myself, I fast, and uh, and oh, you don't have to go on a straight water fast, but I do fast, and that actually enables me to to uh, when you actually fast, you listen to the word on a loop. I listen to the word every day on a loop. I listen to it. I don't read it. I hear it. But when you fast and you hear the word of God, it says in Hebrews 
the word of God divides soul and spirit. And when you fast, it helps you to be it helps you to identify what the spirit is saying to your spirit man rather than your emotions. Okay, so some people actually think they hear from God. One woman believed that the Lord told her to leave her husband so she can marry somebody else. That's the emotions. That's not from the Spirit of God, and it needs to line up with the Word. But my point is with the dream interpretations and having actually encounters with dreams, uh, God wants you to just pursue Him and get into, the, get into fasting and listen to the Word. You come into your breakthrough and ask the Holy Spirit to release dreams and visions. Say, Lord, activate my mind, the right side of my mind, the mind of the Spirit, for me to be connected to your Spirit so that I can actually have dream encounters. And fasting, listening to the word, will activate that. Because when Jesus spoke to Peter, or he spoke about the parable uh, of... Um, um, he talked about the parable of what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart in Matthew 15. Peter said, can you explain the parable? And he said, are you so dull? I mean, that's... I don't know how I'd take that if Jesus said that to me. Are you so dull? Because our minds, uh, in, a, lot of, a lot of the times our minds can be intellectual and there's nothing wrong with that, but God wants us to be really pursue the things of the Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to release revelation. Open the right side of your mind. And when you come into that place of sleeping, you will, I'll guarantee you will have dream encounters. I would just add to that too. You know, normally from our conferences, we get repeated confirmations that people after the conference and after their faith level has arisen to see that a dream is as a word from God. Now, there's, we, we haven't taught any depth here this weekend about dreams, but Psalm 105 verse 19, Daniel 2.23, Daniel 4.33, each and every one of those verses, a word was a dream. When you realize that a dream is a rhema word from God and you realize as we were teaching on the weekend the importance of the rhema word to open to you the kingdom, it's the key into the kingdom, suddenly it does something inside of you. Now, I believe that we can take practical steps. Have you got a notepad next to your bed? Have you got a pen there ready for it? And are you prepared to take notes? Because a lot of times we dream and we go, well, I'll remember that in the morning and then suddenly in the morning we don't. Isn't that the truth? And we're all tired with the same brush. You know, we go, oh, I'll remember that in the morning. And then we go, what was that dream? Lord, remind me. So I would suggest that you get a notepad and pen there and prep yourself in readiness. But also, Adam's suggesting fasting is a fantastic tool. I think that fasting is overlooked by the body of Christ because we don't like discomfort in our modern society. And I think fasting's part of our lifestyle. It's meant to be part of our lifestyle. And what that does is Adam's explained to us is that it d develops your spiritual senses and suddenly you'll start moving in that spirit realm with greater depth and great, greater regularity. Also, I would suggest that if you start studying the Word of God and you're looking for revelation, I'd, I'd be looking at the Word of God, asking questions, and invariably I would dream and God will give me downloads in those dreams. All right, So it comes out of a hunger as well. Can I just say that after last night, some of you will start having dreams you know, I speak to some people and they go, I've, I never dreamed, but I had a dream last night and I remembered it by speaking to you. Because what happens is God wants you to seek him out. He, he knock and the door will be open. Seek, you'll find, knock and the door will be open. I want to say this today, that when you seek him and you, you actually carve something out in the spirit, 
when you start to get a breakthrough of dreams and visions, it actually overflows onto other people. Uh, my son, he, he says, I never dreamed, Dad, but every time I come to your house, I get these encounters and dreams because something's been carved out and there's an open door in my house. There's an open door in me and it can happen in you. So I want to encourage you because sometimes I talk to people and I, they said, you know, it was really weird. I never dreamed, but after I spoke to you last night, I had a dream. Yeah. Yeah. So you good. can be you can be carriers of this, but you just got to knock, and the door will be open. Seeking you'll find, and come into that place where you fast, pray, and you need to pursue God because God wants you to chase Him.